Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.44 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 24th day of January 2024. Wow, 124-2024. That's got to be some numerology somewhere around there. I mean, come on. It is episode 846 of Bitcoin. And I got this is going to be a tight one uh, because I'm like I have pretty as far as I know, I'm going to go hang out with Hoddlebod. Uh, if you don't know who Hoddlebot is, just go pick him up on Noster. He's the developer behind Coracle. And I think we're going to do an episode of his podcast, Thank God for Bitcoin. And so I got to I gotta be there at like 12 and it's like 944 and there's like all manner of shit that I got to go do. But first, it's the Circle P. That's my community service. That's where I bring you people in the community, right? Plebs, just general Joes. People that don't really have a whole lot of money for marketing and shit like that. And they have goods and services that they're selling for Bitcoin. If they don't sell for Bitcoin, they ain't in the Circle P. So, let's start out with my good friend, Shishi. Shishi, S-H-I-S-H-I. So, hey, Green Thumbs, and all you herbal enthusiasts out there ready to revolutionize your garden and wellness, well, meet Shishi's Comfrey, Nature's Magic plant. It heals your soil, your skin, and even your wallet because, yes, we accept Bitcoin. With Comfrey, you're not just growing a plant. You're growing miracles. So, dig into the future of gardening and payments. She, she's Comfrey, where every leaf is a treasure and every purchase is as easy as a Bitcoin breeze. Ah, Comfrey. You're going to want some. And Shishi's got it. You can get a hold of him at Shishi21M at ProtonMail.com. It's a bit slower than getting a hold of him on Noster and Twitter, but I'm telling you about it because I can't, he hasn't posted on Noster in like two months. I hope he's okay. So give him an email. And if you want comfrey in your garden, and trust me, ladies and gentlemen, you want comfrey in your garden. It is shishi21m at ProtonMail. And yes, clearly he does take Bitcoin. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in the Circle P. Now, let's get into it. And first up is one of my favorite people in the whole world, Craig Wright. Craig Wright, that's right. It's Craig Wright. Because he wrote, apparently, an in-depth analysis of -of proof-of-work calculations in the Hashcoin white paper. Except that COPA, who he's got, they're in a lawsuit together uh, against, well, rather not together, they're against each other. COPA says that, well, we'll we'll just get into it. Um, COPA has a schedule of Dr. Craig Wright's forged documents. 
And there's a screenshot that I got here uh, from their last one, uh, or the, the one that was posted today. And it says that, number one, Dr. Wright has disclosed a set of latex files, I guess a programming language. And these apparently constitute sections of a particular document. Um, and that document is a latex source document titled, quote, an in-depth analysis of proof-of-work calculations in the Hashcoin white paper. That document presents as if it was a paper building on calculations in the Hashcoin or time chain white paper and purports to represent work on the Bitcoin system and or Bitcoin related concepts. And it's a group of three documents taken together as a set. The documents are among 71 new reliance documents that were inserted into what's known as the BDO drive by the editing process. And both parties, the experts of both parties, Craig Wright's experts and COPA's experts agree that all that shit was manipulated. That's not actually written in the paper. But anyway, these documents have been backdated. Now, here's the content that they're really interested in. It's a deleted file containing part of the content from this particular file, and it was recovered from this other particular file, and that file was named section7.tex. So I guess LaTeX is a text document or a text language, not, not a programming language. But the content of the deleted section X or section7.txt begins with the words, quote, certainly, here's the latex code for section 7, which covers recommendations. Pausing to just pause at the question, what does that sound like to you? Certainly, here's the latex code for section 7, which covers recommendations. Eh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you chew on that for a second. The content of the deleted section7.tex ends with the words, this section presents a set of recommendations based on the research findings targeting both practitioners and academic researchers. The citations are dot, 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 is ellipses. The content is entirely consistent with and indicative of responses provided by an unconditioned what? Chat GPT. That's right. <laughs> are you able to output some template latex code for section seven, which relates to the recommendations. The answer to that question is entirely consistent with what is represented in this document. They kind of like backtracked it, right? What we're getting, what I'm getting at here is that this document was backdated and inserted into this thing. And it was entirely written by chat GPT. Now that's not all. That's that's not even the kicker yet. Wait for it. That content was deleted from the version of the equivalent document disclosed within this other file. However, it does include the proposed code generated by ChatGPT within the body of the document, except that it was backdated to 2007. Guess what didn't exist in 2007? chat gpt <laughs> and it all okay so there it is i mean it's like in in honestly this isn't surprising it would be if this was the only time that craig wright has ever done this except 
This is not the only time that Craig Wright has ever done this. It is forgery after forgery after forgery after forgery. Why he's not actually sitting in prison for defrauding the judicial system in toto, not only in the United States, but in Europe, is beyond my reckoning. I had no idea that you could go into a court of law on two different continents and lie and not see the inside of a jail cell at all. I had no idea. I thought there was this thing called contempt of court, but apparently that doesn't exist for people like Craig Wright. Although one of these days, I think he's going to get his. But after this, he's offered a settlement in this Either it's either Copa versus Craig Wright or Craig Wright versus Copa. I don't know, but they're those are the two parties that are involved in this particular lawsuit. He's offered a settlement, but the settlement is apparently so ridiculous that there's no way that that settlement is going to be accepted by the other side. It has something to do with a very large amount of money being donated to some charity, but when you look into that particular charity, it's probably a tax fraud front, which also washes with the way Craig Wright does his business because he's a tax fraud as well. I mean, all that, that's in, that's Australia. I mean, he, the, the, the Australian authorities have been hounding his ass and calling him a tax cheat for fucking years. So I'm not lying about that. I can't be, I, I mean, that's just facts on the table. He defrauded at least in part the Australian tax authorities. But be that as it may, that that settlement that he's offering up is not going to be accepted because it's just, there's just, no, it's not going to happen. I kind of thought we were done with Craig Wright. I really did. But apparently the circus is just ongoing and continues ever forward. Now, we're going to get into a little bit of shit coinery today, or at least on this one. But it's for a good cause, trust me. Decrypt, Matt DeSalvo has this one. Edward Snowden urges support for jailed founder of Ethereum Mixer Tornado Cash. If you don't know about this case, even if the word Ethereum makes you sick to your stomach, and I know a lot of the people that listen to this show, it makes you sick to your stomach. You, If you don't know about this case, you need to know about this case because it will affect people all over the world, even out specifically outside of Ethereum, but it will also affect Bitcoiners too. Okay, so just this is why I'm reading it. Whistleblower turned international fugitive Edward Snowden today backed and endorsed the legal defense fund for the founder of Tornado Cash. In a Tuesday post on Twitter, the exiled former CIA contractor asked followers to pitch in to help Roman Storm co-founder of the once popular but fatally sanctioned cryptocurrency mixing service. Yesterday, Storm said on Twitter that he would launch a campaign in the form of a decentralized autonomous organization to raise money for a lawyer. Last year, the U.S. Department of Justice arrested Storm and charged him with money laundering for his part in the creation of Tornado Cash. And that was or is a popular cryptocurrency coin mixing application that allowed users to anonymously send and receive Ethereum. But the Department of Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, in 2022 banned Americans from using that service, claiming that criminals had used it to launder dirty money. Then, they then alleged that Storm and his colleague, Roman 
Semenov laundered more than $1 billion in criminal proceeds. Developer Alex Pertsev was also arrested. But the fundraiser's website argues that the the arrest of Roman Storm and Alec Pertsev are considered a direct attack on the open source development space and may have devastating consequences for developers who write and publish code. Quote, if you can help, please help, Snowden said in a retweet of Storm's plea. Quote, privacy is not a crime. Snowden, who's been living in exile in, exile in Russia since being charged by the U.S. government with espionage in 2013, has long been a privacy and cryptocurrency advocate. He said last year that the sanctioning of Tornado Cash was deeply illiberal, illiberal and profoundly authoritarian, end quote. Snowden also helped create the privacy coin Zcash and has spoken about how people should use cryptocurrencies rather than buy them as an investment. Snowden also has pointed out Bitcoin's privacy problem. The biggest cryptocurrency by market cap is pseudonymous. A user's identity isn't recorded on the blockchain, but every single transaction is. Authorities are, therefore, able to track down people who send and receive the digital coin uh, if necessary. All right, so <clears throat> here's the thing that I think that that Matt DeSalvo is getting is getting wrong is that Roman Storm is is one part of the story, okay? But there's this other guy, and I'm trying to find his name, and it should roll off right off the, the top of my head. Or, no, well, hold on. What the hell? Not Roman Storm. Eh, well, hold on. <clears throat> to help Roman Storm, co-founder of the once popular but fatally sanctioned cryptocurrency mixing service. I think that there's a situation here where either they're both named Roman or Matt DeSalvo's got this completely wrong because it's Roman Semenov that is saying that, that that is said is a a colleague that has laundered more than $1 billion of criminal proceeds. But if I remember correctly, Roman Semenov has been sitting in prison for, for a lot longer than a year. And he has nothing to do with Tornado Cash. At least I think. There's, I'm pretty sure that that's the case. If that's not the case, please, for the love of God, let me have it on Noster and or in, like, if you send me a boosted gram, let me know just how wrong I am. Because I think that that's the way that this is working out, is that there's this guy named Roman Semenov, and he's been cooling his heels for a long time, and he has literally nothing to do with this thing. The U.S. government says he does, but there's kind of like a lot of evidence that says there's no way that he can. So, but at least Edward Snowden is, you know, putting his fame and, you know, well, I won't say fortune, but at least his fame behind trying to get these guys out of this because writing code, at least in the United States, is protected by the First Amendment. That was upheld in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, right? If I won't get into the whole story. A lot of people are saying that it was upheld by the Supreme Court. It, it's not, okay? The whole issue of being able to write code, which came out of this whole mess of a court case that Adam Back was involved with way back in the day, was that um, encryption and the computer code to actually cause encryption to occur was labeled a munition by the United States government. 
And therefore, you couldn't export it. Otherwise, you would be exporting munitions and you need a license to do that. And you're not Lockheed Martin and you're not a, you know, you're not a warmonger and you're not in part of the big boy club and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was considered illegal. Well, Adam Back and a whole bunch of other people were involved in a court case that took that shit all the way to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals said, this is computer code and writing computer code is free speech. It has yet to go to the Supreme Court and it would have to actually be challenged to go to the Supreme Court. So right now, the law of the land is that computer code is in fact protected free speech under the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. And here we go, all the way from Russia, we've got an expat who's in exile because he told the truth about what was going on in the United States as far as surveillance is concerned, sticking his neck out yet one more time to help these dudes. And I think we should help these dudes. Even if it was Ethereum, I don't care. I don't care so much. I mean, I don't hate Ethereum so much that I want to see these guys rot in prison. Right? They're just writing code. If these guys go down, then anybody who can be proven to have written any kind of code that the United States government doesn't like, they're going to go down too. So all you'll be left with is people like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and all their little, you know, gabble of friends that can write code having a license to write computer software. And all AI that's writing computer software will have to literally be filtered. You don't want to live in this world. All right, so I appreciate Edward Snowden for doing that particular thing. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, oh, you know what? I'm gonna. I am actually gonna. I'm gonna run that over here, and we'll get to that when I do numbers. All right. <clears throat> A Fed rate cut hopes run into inflationary Red Sea crisis, and this is causing problems in in markets generally. Uh, this is out of CoinDesk, written by Amkar Godbol. No sooner did the United States Federal Reserve signal on December the 13th that expects to cut interest rates three times this year, traders priced in the first dovish move in March, bolstering the second bullish mood in both crypto and traditional markets. However, a mere five weeks later, the probability of the Fed delaying the first rate cut beyond March appears high. Thanks to disruptions in commercial shipping traffic via the Red Sea and Suez Canal route and resulting inflation fears. Quote, the next FOMAC meeting on January the 31st will be a difficult platform for the Fed to communicate any change in stance ahead of March if elevated geopolitical risks in the Red Sea region are raising concerns over supply disruptions and energy prices feeding into higher inflation. Analysts at ING said in a note to clients, that's an unwelcome development for Bitcoin bulls, hoping that the Fed would lay the groundwork for rapid-fire rate cuts at its meeting next week, helping stall the recent price drop caused by GPTC outflows and FTX sales. The Fed's benchmark interest rate currently stands between 5.25 and 5.5%, having raised the borrowing cost by 525 basis points between March of 2022 and July of 2023. All right, that's all you need to know from this particular story, right? And and the reason is the Fed signaled that they were going to start cutting rates. And now they're signaling that they're not going to do that. And they're blaming what? 
the Middle East, the conflict in the Middle East, it's always that. It's always that. This is how the United States wallpapers over every financial disaster that is occurring in the markets. This has everything to do with the fact that they are in trouble. The United States, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury, they are in trouble. They printed too much money. Everything's screwed up. And now we're back in the Middle East doing the the whole Middle East dance again. Except this time they've got this, this problem child called the Houthis or whatever that has disrupted shipping through the Red Sea. And that's causing supply issues. And as we all know, supply issues do what? They cause prices to rise again because goods are less likely to be able to get to the store. It's just, it's one thing after another, after another. So how much trouble is the United States in? Well, let's take a little slice out of some illicit activity that the United States government seems to be involved with when it comes to the U.S. dollar. Ezra Aguera is writing this one for Cointelegraph. It seems that $1.3 trillion, that's trillion with a T, in illicit funds flowed through the global financial system in 2023. Apparently, this is according to NASDAQ. Stock exchange company NASDAQ released its global financial crime report, highlighting data related to financial crimes over the past year. Bitcoin and crypto were not mentioned, bolstering the belief for many that cash, fiat currency, is king when it comes to facilitating crime. The report highlighted that financial crime continues to be a multi-trillion dollar problem. NASDAQ estimated that in 2023, $3.1 trillion in illicit funds flowed through the global financial system. Through money laundering, the funds fueled crimes like human and drug trafficking, and of course, terrorist financing. Where's the child trafficking? Well, they, they forgot the child trafficking. Anyway, within the trillions of dollars of illicit funds, NASDAQ found that $782.9 billion was involved in drug trafficking, while $346.7 billion was linked to human trafficking. Furthermore, the report highlighted that around $11.5 billion was used for terrorist financing, and apart from these, $485.6 billion was lost to fraudulent scams and bank fraud schemes in 2023. Within the report, NASDAQ chair and CEO Adina Friedman said that the financial institutions have, quote, been at the forefront of this issue for decades. The CEO wrote that the institutions continue to engage in the fight to prevent fraud. Friedman said financial institutions are responding to the pressure to prevent fraud, but cannot do it alone. Friedman explained, quote, ultimately, we know that no single company, industry, technology, or government is going to solve the complex problem of financial crime alone. We all have a responsibility to ourselves and to the world to be part of the solution, end quote. In a statement sent to Cointelegraph, Tether CEO Paulo Ordoino described the multi-billion dollar financial crime issue as alarming. The executive echoed the sentiment that no single company can solve the issue and said that, quote, only through multilateral cooperation will we succeed in stopping these illicit activities. According to Arduino, Tether continues to collaborate with 
Law enforcement agencies across the globe freeze assets and wallets involved with criminal activities, and he called on legacy institutions to do the same. Jesus. Quote, Tether is committed to continuing our cooperative approach with law enforcement to halt these destructive financial crimes, and we echo the calls in this NASDAQ report for legacy financial institutions to do the part, do the same part that Tether's doing, Arduino wrote. On January the 18th, the report published by blockchain analytics firm Chain Analysis highlighted that within the crypto space, stablecoins have been the currency of choice among criminals in 2022 and 2023. The illicit transaction volumes of stablecoins surpassed that of Bitcoin, Ether, and other altcoins. Meanwhile, Gaber Gerbox, the digital or director of digital asset strategy at investment firm Van Eck, highlighted in a post on Twitter that there was no mention of BTC, crypto, or stable coins in the NASDAQ report. The executive pointed towards banks and institutions and said that they are the main conduit for criminal activities. Hmm. So the blockchain analytics firm highlighted that stable coins have been the currency of choice among criminals in 2022 and 2023, yet Gaber Gerbox like reads the report and says there's no mention of stable coins. What is chain analysis up to? Well, we know it's nefarious. That whole company should just basically be blotted off the face of the planet. But sadly, it's not going to be. It's going to be with us for quite some time. But, but, again, but, 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 but. The real point here is that the United States alone, alone, well, not the United States. I'm, I'm, I had to scroll back up here for a second. I was trying to get to this one graphic. In the Americas, which would be Canada, United States, Central America, and South America, $1.1 trillion was involved in this $3.1 trillion of illicit funds flowing through the global financial system. We've got just right at one-third of this crap is just on in the Western Hemisphere. It's ridiculous, and it's all fiat. There's no Bitcoin. There's no Ethereum. There's no stablecoin. There, no, it's, it doesn't exist in this particular context. This is all legacy financial criminality, and yet we're the ones that are causing children to be taken from their homes and sold into some kind of sex slavery in Asia, or whatever it is that Bitcoiners are constantly being accused of. And we have nothing to do with this. This is all the Federal Reserve. This is all ECB. This is all, I don't know, whoever the Central Bank of China is. It's all, it's their fault. They're the ones that have blood all over their hands, not Bitcoiners. That, that's for them. This, this blood is on their hands. I don't trust a single thing any of these people to will tell me anymore. I have it for a long time, but I definitely won't won't be a <clears throat> re uh, reexamining my my stance anytime soon after that one. And crypto lender Abra is going to return money in a Texas settlement. David Atley, Coin Telegraph. Crypto lending firm Abra, allegedly insolvent since March of 2023, entered a settlement In principle, with the state of Texas Security Board, the company will return assets invested by the state's citizens. On January the 22nd, 
The Texas State Securities Board, or TSSB, released the final confirmation of the settlement. According to the document, Abra began winding down U.S. retail operations and will notify clients with more than $10 in their balances so that they can withdraw their assets in seven days. The unclaimed assets will be converted to fiat currency and directed to remaining Texas investors. Abra is a group of companies controlled by crypto entrepreneur Bill Barjhar. Hold on. Barhit, B-A-R-H-Y-D-T, Barit? I can't pronounce that name. The settlements name four separate entities tied to the brand. Plutus Financial Holdings, Plutus Financial, and Plutus Lending, as well as Abra Boost. The brand had been offering Abra Earn and Abra Boost with users promised interest on their digital asset deposits, while the company earned profits from lending the funds. The offer remains on the Abra website, claiming that up to 10% of interest is compounded daily and paid out every Monday. On June the 15th, 2023, the TSSB issued an emergency cease and desist order accusing Barhart and Abra of committing securities fart, fraud, fart, fraud and engaging in deception regarding the sale of investment products. According to the settlement text, by the time the TSSB filed actions, Abra held $13.6 million of crypto on behalf of more than 12,000 investors in the United States. Only $1.8 million of them were owned by approximately 1,600 Texas residents. So, Texas has got all over Abra, which was one of the people that collapsed after Terra Luna, FTX, uh, BlockFi, and that whole band of thieves. Um I'm surprised that they're able to get a hold of any of the people from that company that they haven't, uh, you know, changed their faces and flown down to Cabo Wabo and chilling out with a pina colada. I don't know. I don't care. But it's all, I mean, all these chickens are coming home to roost. That tells me we're at the, we're finally coming to the end of the hurricane that started with the whole Terraform Labs, Terra Luna, Terra USD, that whole thing, that started it. We're coming to the end of it, finally. It's been a long road, and anybody who held their Bitcoin through all of this, kudos. I salute you. Let's run numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. I got West Texas Intermediate Oil is up just over a full point, $75.26. Brent North Sea is up almost a full point, $80.23. Natural gas is up four and a quarter percent. Gasoline is up just over half. Gold is the only shiny metal rock doing poorly today. It's down a third, while silver is up two and a quarter points. Platinum is up a point. Copper is up two and a half. And palladium is up over two and a half. Ag is doing well, mostly in the green. Biggest winner today is going to be what? Cocoa. Ooh, chocolate. My favorite. 3.22% to the upside. Biggest loser, coffee. My other favorite, but it's down 2.02%. Live cattle, up a half. Lean hogs, up three quarters of a point. Feeder cattle are up just under a half. The Dow is up a quarter of a point. The S&P is up 0.65%. NASDAQ is up 1.26%. S&P mini is up scant. Uh, now, let's go before, let's, go, let's do bonds first. Let, hold on, let me put this over here. We'll do bonds. 
uh, all in the green. Yields on all of the treasury bonds have increased except for the one month, two month, and three month, which are mostly unchanged. Uh, the 10-year is now yielding 4.16%, 20-year 4.5%, and the 30-year is yielding 4.39%. The dollar index has tumbled a little bit again today. It's down know, almost a half a point to 103.15, and that's the ICE US dollar index. Now, going back to oil, this is interesting I hadn't heard about this anywhere other than, well, Reuters. And somehow or another, it's couched in this report about oil. Check out this headline. Now, again, this is from Reuters. Oil steadies near $80 as China announces stimulus. What? Huh? I've heard Jack about China doing anything. What the hell's going on? Well, oil steadied on Wednesday with Brent trading near $80 a barrel as a Chinese economic stimulus package and geopolitical tensions were offset by concerns over tepid demand and a stronger dollar. Oh, get us right get us right back into worried about demand for oil and a, a stronger dollar because they just ran right over Chinese economic stimulus. The hell's that? The front month March contract for Brent crude fell four cents to $79.50 a barrel. West Texas intermediate crude ticked up four cents to $74 and 41 cents a barrel. Now here it comes. Get ready. Grab your ankles. Doesn't matter if you're a Chinese citizen or not. Grab your ankles. China's central bank will cut the amount of cash that Chinese banks must hold as reserves from February the 5th, Governor Pan Gongsheng said on Wednesday, the first such cut for the year as policymakers extend efforts to shore up a fragile economic recovery. So they're cutting reserve requirements for their banks. How well does that work? It doesn't. That means that bank failures are, are, are imminent. It means bank failures are probably imminent. And oh my God, and there's a, a whole thing about the ECB and I forgot, I forgot, I, hold on, hold on, holding, holding, just hold on for me. Let me, let me see if I can, let me see if I can get this. Just, just a little bit, just a little bit. Let me get to my bookmarks and see if I've got it. Uh, no. For some reason, it never got into my bookmarks. But the ECB, European Central Bank, has told, and I, I was able to confirm this through a couple of, you know, a couple of various news outlets, that European Central Bank has told some of their member banks to start scanning social media and looking for language that talks about people wanting their money out of the banks because they want to guard against a bank run. So you got China cutting reserve requirements. You got the ECB that are asking their member banks to look at Twitter to see if anybody's talking about possibly, you know, instigating a bank run because they don't believe that the ECB is solvent. (laughs) Spoiler, it ain't. Dudes, man, like I said, grab your freaking ankles, but 
God, thank God for Bitcoin, which is chilling out at $40,078.41. Average transaction value, one and a quarter Bitcoin. Median transaction value is $65.50. Block times are low, nine minutes and 36 seconds. 0.44 BTC taking the fees on a per block basis and 65.6 taken overall in the last 24 hour period. Uh, with a 6.19% decline in hash rate, we are at 523.5 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, as always, is Dogecoin, 7.9 United States pennies. Uh, on to Clark Moody's, uh, clarkmoody.com forward slash dashboard. Market capitalization for Bitcoin is $781 billion. That is 5.67% of gold's market cap. There is 19,607,136.75 Bitcoin in circulation and 4,834.13 of those are indeed locked in the Lightning Network, valued at $192.6 million. Uh, There are 14,634 nodes that we see on the Lightning Network and 59,142 payment channels that we can also see. And 80.4% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Now, Mempool, 511 blocks. Wow, we're coming down a little bit. Uh, 245,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. High priority rates going for 34 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority is about $1.62. Uh, hash rate for mining or for mempool.space forward slash mining is 547.6 exahashes per second. So that washes. Now from yesterday's show, I've got 921 Satoshis from Bitcoin Boaz says all sats matter at all sats matter.com. Yegro with 845 says knock, knock. Who's there? Yoda lady. Oh, for God's sakes. Axel Rod with 451 sats. Respect my authority. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Pies with 420. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. God's death with 370. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. I found it. I did. I found it. Here it is about the ECB. From Reuters, Stefina Spizzati is writing. European Central Bank asks some lenders to monitor social media for early signs of bank runs, according to sources. And who knows what that shit is. Uh, European Central Bank has asked some banks to closely monitor activity on social media to detect a worsening in sentiment, which could lead to a deposit run to banking executives with knowledge of the request told Reuters. European regulators have sharpened scrutiny of banks' liquidity after the collapses of Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse in March of last year, requesting, or the people said, requesting anonymity because the discussions are private. Then why, pausing, then why are they talking about it? Have Ask yourself the question, If this is as bad as it looks, and it honestly looks pretty bad, why telegraph it? We've been here before. We've been here before. They don't want to say who they are, but they're singing like a canary. There's a reason for that. I won't get into what I think about that. Let's move on. Banks 
can run into financial troubles if clients rush to pull deposits all at the same time. And in October of 2022, a social media post from a journalist saying that a major international investment bank is on the brink led to a run on Credit Suisse with clients withdrawing more than 100 billion Swiss francs or about $116 billion by the end of the fourth quarter of that year. The speed at which clients yank deposits has triggered a debate globally on whether, under the current regulation, institutions could withstand sudden liquidity shocks and whether new rules might be needed. In March, the European Banking Authority, an independent European agency which carries out work in the banking and finance sector, called on relevant regulators to assess risks, including social media, that could contribute to a deterioration in the public perception and reputation of the institution. Now, in response to the ECB's request, which were specific to certain banks in the region, a major European lender has arranged for a team to signal significant volumes of negative posts to the bank's treasury, which will in turn assess any impacts on deposits, one of the two executives said. So just pausing again, what they're describing is a social media manager that's in finance. That's how bad it's become. <laughs> it's just, this is almost the job of a social media manager. It's ridiculous. We are so deep in the burning dumpster fire of a three ring circus with a clown show in the middle of it. I can't even see straight. That was one of the most hilarious paragraphs that I've ever read. Arrange for a team to signal significant volumes of negative posts, negative tweets. We're looking for a significant number of negative tweets, and that's going to form our financial policy moving forward is essentially what they're saying. If that doesn't scare the piss out of you, I don't know what does, but... You got stronger guts than me. Continuing on, European regulators are also debating whether the assumptions used to calculate the so-called liquidity coverage ratio, a key indicator that banks use to measure liquidity risk, should be revised, another bank executive told Reuters. (sighs) Introduced after the 2008 financial crisis, LCRs require banks to hold sufficient assets that can be exchanged for cash to survive a period of significant liquidity stress. What did China just do? They're going to lift the reserve requirements on their own banks. Anybody see where this is going? I just like, wow. And nobody's talking about it. Why? Because Trump apparently won New Hampshire and Nikki Haley's seven, you know, 70% of her voters were actually Democrat. That it's the most important election in your lifetime, again. Meanwhile, you got people at the ECB who are hiring social media managers to form their fucking financial policy in China, the most populated country on the planet. Uh, their economy is so bad that their own banks are going to start lifting reserve requirements. And we're in the Middle East again. Get out of the cities. Buy as much Bitcoin as you can. Learn how to raise chickens, at least. Some meat animal. 
but get the hell out of the cities if you can. I know I'm, I know somebody's listening to me and they're like, I hate it when you say this, David, because I can't. And I understand that right now. I can't either. But for those of you who can, G T F O, this shit doesn't end well. And what really worries me is that this shit could be accelerating because that's what it looks like. I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow with shit falling down around my ears. But everything that I just told you about this and the fact that they couched what was going on with China in an oil report, I, it, I've got to move on. I, I'm sorry. I just, I got to move on. Finally, back home to nobsbitcoin.com. 26, more than 26 Bitcoin companies have signed a letter to FinCEN against proposed surveillance rules. 26 and more Bitcoin companies signed a legal response to the United States Department of the Treasury and FinCEN's proposed rules that would seriously harm privacy by effectively prohibiting basic Bitcoin best practices, such as not reusing addresses and collaborative Bitcoin transactions. Quote, the proposed special measures would unreasonably infringe upon the legitimate financial privacy interest of cryptocurrency users and would apply to a variety of digital techniques that are not mixing transactions at all, but rather simply represent good cybersecurity practices. That paragraph appeared in the letter along with this one. Moreover, the proposed special measures are necessary to achieve FinCEN's aim, and we encourage FinCEN to either withdraw the mixing transaction NPRM altogether or to pursue a less invasive, less restrictive, and more effective approach. The same approach it has used since its first enforcement activities in the cryptocurrency space back in 2013 to enforcement against specific bad actors. So <laughs> there's a lot in here. And it's like the, the, what, they, what FinCEN is doing is they're conflating mixing transactions with just using a new address for every send and receive that you do. For every time that I, I'm going to put Bitcoin into my wallet, like let's say that I take it off of, like right now I've been buying off a cash app. I know it's KYC. I don't want to get into it. I just want to buy Bitcoin. I'm not, I'm just, that's just the way that it's working right now. Okay. So I don't want to hear any flack about it. So I get it off of Coinbase or not Coinbase. That one I won't do. I won't do Coinbase but get it off Cash App, I don't put it into the same wallet address that I got the last Cash App uh, deposit from. I use a brand new one for two reasons. One, it's best practice. Two, it's easy. It's really easy to gin up a, a brand new address on your private key. It's There's no reason not to. But these mixing transaction languages that the FinCEN and whatever is put into their document that they want us all to adhere by, which I fucking won't, is conflating money laundering with the fact that I want more than one address to send my Bitcoin to. That's my right. That's my property. I paid for it. My private key. I can gin up as many addresses as I want off that private key. That's uh, That's my right. Why? Because I'm using software. And what is software protected by in the United States? The First Amendment. So every time I gen up a brand new wallet address, I'm enacting the First Amendment. I'm taking my right, my God-given right, to say, write, or read what I please. 
And in the case of software, utilize what I please, what I please that is written down and is protected by the First Amendment according to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. All of the people in the Treasury and, the, and FinCEN need to go away. They need to go away, but I know they're not, which means that we all have to make a decision. How will they know if I'm using a different address? I mean, I, I guess that's, well, I guess that's kind of easy when you think about it. It's like, well, that's not, this isn't the same address you used last time. Okay, well, I don't know, man. To me, I'm protected to be, I'm protected by the First Amendment to be able to do this. I'm utilizing software, which is protected by the First Amendment. Therefore, everything that I do with that, I'm protected by the First Amendment. Unless I cause harm to somebody else or their possessions and their property, but that's not a First Amendment issue. That's a destruction or impairment of somebody's property or impairment of somebody else's rights. That's covered not by the First Amendment, but by all manner of clauses in the Constitution and the United States Standard Code. This is all bullshit. And I'm really happy that River, Strike, Samurai Wallet, 1031, Ronin Dojo, Swan, Primal, Grid, Zaprite, Peach, Mempool.Space, Upstream Data, Stock, Vita, Voltage, CoinKite, Mutiny, Satoshi Energy, Cathedra, Anchor Watch, Bitknob, Oshi, Battery, Fold, Start9, and one other one that I can't read because its font is too small. I'm glad that they signed this letter. That is signing their name and their future to a document. They will be, if if that shit goes through, because these people signed their name to that document, they are going to be the first ones under investigation. And yet they were brave enough to attach their name to it. I didn't see DCG doing it. I didn't see Grayscale do it. I haven't seen Bitcoin Magazine do it. I haven't seen Cash App do it either. And certainly not Coinbase. Right? So at least these people were brave enough to put their company's future on the line by signing this letter to FinCEN. All right, let's see. Well, let me get this one over here. All right. Here's a note from Wallet of Satoshi. Just so you know, they're not dead. Okay? They may have taken some actions you know, in, in in the, you know, past that a lot of people don't like, but they're not dead. They've got an explanation of what's happened. Like I've, like Wallet of Satoshi is just gone off my phone. It just left. Like they, it expired on test flight. It never came back. I can't get it. And here's the explanation directly from Wallet of Satoshi on Noster. Hey, some of our iOS test flight users have noticed that their test versions recently expired. Not to worry. Last year, we just had to move Apple developer accounts. The migration process was not great. So, all test flight users got dropped. Feel free to join the new test flight using this link if you enjoy being on the bleeding edge. Latest version uses a better scanning engine under the hood, so we'd love to know if it helps anyone have more consistent QR reads. So they're not dead. 
right? Wallet of Satoshi, not dead. If you are one of the users that lost your test flight Wallet of Satoshi on iOS, you go go find Wallet of Satoshi on Noster. You could, they're probably also over there on Twitter. Go find them or go to their website, which is walletofsatoshi.com. That's walletofsatoshi.com. And there will probably be instructions and a link to get the new test flight version. I'll be doing that later just to get my wallet of Satoshi back. But we'll have to see because it's kind of not allowed to be used in the United States. So we'll have to see what happens with me. I'll report back later. That is if I have more than two neurons left to rub together. All right. Um, Let's see. Do we want to do that one? I'll move that one to the back as well. All right. OpenSats, uh, OpenSats.org has made the following announcement. Long-term support for Renee Pickard. We are very excited to award a long-term support grant to Renee Pickard helping him continue his fundamental research on improving Bitcoin's overall usefulness as a payment system through the Lightning Network. Fueled by gratitude for his scholarship from the German National Academic Foundation, his four consecutive Bitcoin developer grants from BitMEX, and the everyday benefits of the open source software he uses, Rene has centered his career on giving back to the communities that supported him on his path. He has consistently shared commercially significant knowledge for a long time without seeking prior funding. All major LN integrations or implementations have integrated some of his research results and algorithms now widely recognized as the most optimal for Bitcoin payments. Over the years, he has achieved an almost endless list of invaluable contributions, including creating Pickard payments actively answering most questions about the Lightning Network on Stack Exchange, co-authoring the openly licensed book, Mastering the Lightning Network, proposing just-in-time routing, mentoring at Chain Code Labs, Lightning Labs, Residency, and Summer of Bitcoin, as well as responsibly disclosing a blackmail attack related to channel jamming. Don't worry, he didn't have to blackmail us for this glowing review. Oh, come on. Enough with this shtick. This LTS grant is now instrumental in Renee's ongoing efforts to enhance reliable payment planning, efficient payment routing, and explore innovative liquidity management strategies on the Lightning Network. He is currently focused on researching non-minimal cost flow-based methods to optimize the expected delivery of SATs and is inviting feedback on this question about how to compute the expected number of SATs to arrive in a probabilistic payment flow. And what's more... He's planning to host free online webinars. Jesus. These sessions aim to bridge the gap between theoretical research and practical application by making the complex technical details of his papers easily understandable. A big thanks to our generous donors for making this possible. If you're interested in contributing to funding of Bitcoin infrastructure, please consider donating to the general fund. So OpenSats making a long-term investment in Renee Pickard, for his work on a whole bunch of stuff. And now these free webinars, that's going to be in that's going to be insane. So if you're interested in lightning payments and stuff like that, uh you might want to be checking out Renee Pickard. His last name is spelled P I C K H A R D T. That's Renee Pickard. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's Renee Pickard. I'm, I'm just going to go with Renee Pickard. All right, moving on. 
Albie. Get Albie had some serious problems yesterday. My Get Albie wallet was offline for hours. Hours. And I had no idea what the hell was going on. Well, apparently there was something going on and Albie is here to tell you about it. Again, the thread, well, not even a thread. It's just a note over here on Noster. Yes, there was a few hours downtime, but we're back. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Thank you all for your patience. If you still experience any issues, please let us know. You can check status at our systems at albi.instatus.com. That's albi.instatus, all one word, dot com. And they got a good meme game. Albi's got a pretty good meme game. They got a picture of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, and underneath it, it says, I'll be back. Get it? I'll be back. Okay, whatever. (laughs) That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right. I got a book for my birthday, which is a couple of days ago, from my daughter, um, who also understands that that I like dad jokes. So she buys me this book entitled The Very Embarrassing Book of Dad Jokes. Let's just open to page one, shall we? Why did the orange stop halfway up the hill? He ran out of juice. Not bad, not bad. Uh, what's the richest country in the world? Ireland. Because its capital is always Dublin. Well, that's not bad. That's not bad. You actually have to kind of think about that a little bit. What's worse than finding a worm in your apple? Finding half a worm in your apple. Yeah, no shit. All right. Um, So I'm going to try to be bringing some of those. uh, Get away from dad says jokes for a little while. Uh, He always has these really bad wife and divorce jokes. And it's actually kind of. It's actually been getting kind of sad. I kind of worry about dad says jokes over there on uh on Twitter, which was formerly Twitter. I'm never going to call it by what everybody else is calling it. All right, so keep your eye on this banking issue. All right, we've got we've got China going to release or or basically say that you don't have to keep as much money in reserve in your banks. And at the same time the ECB is worried about a run on their banks and the, to the point that they're asking people to act as social media managers, which by itself is just kind of embarrassing. Not, I'm not saying anything's embarrassing about being a social media manager. I've done it before. There's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that really you, <laughs> you're going to monitor Twitter to find out what your policy should be moving forward. I mean, I guess I guess I probably shouldn't give them so much grief about it because yeah, that's probably where where the signaling is going to come from. But the fact that we've gotten to this point in the first place is beyond my reckoning. And the whole thing with China is freak is freaking me out. Well, okay, I'm not freaked out. I'm just like going, thank God for Bitcoin even harder today than I was before I found out all this shit yesterday. Right? Then we got the Houthis. We got the Middle East thing going on. Elon apparently had to go through an apology tour next door to or riding shotgun with Netanyahu. It's the most clown 
of the clown circuses that I've seen in a long time. And I got to tell you, man, that's, that's saying something. I mean, that, that really is. I, it, we've been in the midst of clown world for so long. I kind of forgot. And, and now with just these three things, China, central bank, European central bank, and the thing going on in the middle East, that has raised the bar of clown show. And what's sad is that people are losing their lives and their property and their homes. And I get that. I'm not making light of that. I'm not. But none of this has to happen if it wasn't for the fact that clowns are in charge of the world. And that's what makes it a clown show. There's nothing funny about it. You know, lots of people say, oh, clowns, it must be funny. No, that's, that's not, you're not really understanding what a clown actually does. But I won't get into it. I'm just saying that not all clowns are funny. And they, uh, okay, well, I'll say a little bit about it. Clowns trace their roots back to the, the court jester, also known as the fool. And these guys were the only thing that can make political commentary in the presence of the king and or queen in royal court and not be killed. Even if the fool and the jester was critical of the actual king and queen themselves or that particular royal court or something that was going on in that particular kingdom that he was he or she, well, it was probably never a woman. It was probably always a man, but they wouldn't execute him. Anybody else that does that shit gets executed, right? Fast forward a couple of thousand years and we've, we've got clowns. Now they don't do that same job, but their roots are there. So the fool in a king's court was not always telling jokes and cracking wise. It was political commentary. And now we have a clown show everywhere we look and we cannot get away from it. And it gets worse and worse and worse every time we make a move. So the only move that you can make is learn skills. If you can get out of the cities and the larger the city, the more impetus you have to get out of it. Like a city like Dallas, that shit breaks down. You don't want to be anywhere close to that. Chicago, same. New York, same. LA, same. You get into a city that's like 250,000, maybe, you know, 350,000. It's better, but it ain't great. Hell, even going to something like Fredericksburg, Texas with 15,000 individuals could might get dicey depending on how bad shit gets. And it also depends on the constituency of the citizenry of that particular town. Do they know how to do a lot of stuff for themselves? Do they know how to grow a lot of food? If they're as dependent as the people in inner city Chicago, it is, it's going to get dicey no matter where you are. So, outskirts of a town, not so far out that you've got to drive an hour and a half to get back into town because that's, you don't want that. I, at least I wouldn't want that, but I don't want to even live on the edge of a town. I want to live where I see pastures for about 15 to 20 minutes before I see quote unquote, the edge of town that allows for growth. And I'm still outside of that town. Learn again, learn to grow food. Figure out how to work chickens, right? There's plenty of ways to do that. You know, one of the best, uh, one of the best people that you can go to, and he just did a, like a show. It was either last show or the show before last. Go to Jack Spear Coast podcast. I love Jack. I really do. 
He's got a lot of really good, high quality information about how to do that kind of shit, right? So him or somebody else, it's like somebody with homesteading. This is going, this, this really does open up your world into thinking about homesteading and not pointing and laughing. You got the ECB putting social media managers in the catbird seat for steering a financial behemoth. You got China who's going to lift reserve requirements on their own banks because shit's so bad over there. So don't think for a second that it's not probably a good idea to start thinking about homesteading if you can. And if you can't, my heart goes out to you too, man. But if you can, get out, get out, get out. And hopefully, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.